Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Wednesday, June 22nd, and this is episode number 140. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing in this podcast that you see or hear is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing. And always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, good to be back with you guys again. It's been a few days. The last podcast was uh, was last Friday. Then we had a long weekend with a market holiday on Monday. And yesterday we had our members-only webinar for the month of June. Um, that was a, a, an excellent session that we had. Again, it was a two-hours-deep session. Um, our guest had to cancel on us, but that gave us uh, a little bit more time to take our time through the thesis and answer as many questions as we could with our members. So if you are a member and you weren't able to join us yesterday, the replay is up on the website. You can stream that um, at any time. It's right at the very top of the members area of the website after you log in. If you are not a member and you're interested in seeing the type of content we put out, you can click the link in the description below and get a free sample of a previous month's newsletter. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. I wanted to say uh, thank you so much for the congrats that we got for 15,000 subscribers. This channel continues to grow despite the uh, let's call let's be let's be a little bit generous and call it unfavorable market conditions that we've had over the past few months and really uh, especially over the past uh, month and six weeks. It's been uh, pretty nasty out there with a couple of counter trend rallies. Had a small rally yesterday. Gave pretty much all of that up today. Uh, uranium stocks just pretty weak today, even with the broad market. Um, basically flat on the day after seeing a slight bounce um, after Powell spoke this morning. But um, I want to get into a couple of elements of investor psychology and some interesting things that I'm seeing in the market in the mailbag section. Uh, before we do that, why don't we go ahead and jump into the daily scoreboard. Spot price of uranium sitting at $47.50 a pound mid-market. That's about a $2 a pound bounce that we saw yesterday. Nice little bounce towards the end of the day yesterday. Uh, the spot did not buy any pounds yesterday. Interestingly enough, we do have some other players there in the spot market. Typically, we've seen these up moves in the spot market when spot is not buying, when there are flows coming into the spot vehicle. And we see traders seemingly trying to front run the expectation of more buying by spot. Now, spot is sitting on $70 million in cash. So technically, they can buy a little bit more uranium here. But I did find it interesting to see um, to see the market, well, I guess the market was moving up a little, a little bit yesterday, but uh, to see a $2 up move in the spot price of uranium with SPUT not buying and still trading at a big discount to NAV. In fact, SPUT closed at an 8.62% discount to NAV yesterday. The total NAV of SPUT sitting at $2.74 billion. Like I said, they've got $70.6 million in the treasury. Turning to the ETFs, uh, URA reported redemptions equal to 520,000 shares. No uh, change in outstanding shares for URNM. Uh, that's, uh, that redemption from URA led to $6.8 million in mandated selling. That likely was in one of the higher volume selling days of last week that just reported yesterday. Uh, so now we're sitting at, uh, let's see, the joint AUM, the assets under management for URA and URNM now sitting at $2.2 billion, an astonishing decline of over 1.2 billion from its recent mid-April high of over 3.4 billion. So mid-April, we were back at uh, pretty much all-time highs in the AUM between URA and URNM, and we've sold off substantially since that high. That's a really big move, honestly. Um, in today's action, uh, the uranium shares did trade relatively poorly. So why don't we go ahead and look at the charts? 
URA down just over 4% on the day, not huge volume of selling here, but definitely an underperformance of the S&P. In fact, why don't we look at URA relative to the S&P? Big down day for that, uh, for URA relative to the S&P, but we are still within that uptrend line for URA. We lost the, that trend line in URNM, uh, but very interesting to see us trading back down towards that trend line. Will it hold this time? That's a big question in my mind. And honestly, I do not have the answer to that. Risk is still off. Uh, that's that's just where we're at, folks, right now. Uh, let's look at Cameco. Cameco has been, generally speaking, a leader of the pack, especially since the Russia invasion of Ukraine. It's generally assumed that they will be um, one of the main beneficiaries of a geopolitical realignment and a shift of Western utilities purchasing from Western suppliers. And so Cameco uh, today down 3.33%. We did see uh, it's printing a bit of a hammer today, closed near the highs of the day, which is a good sign. Volume still pretty low. So clearly not a rush of money coming after this, but it's good to see some dip buying happen in Cameco. Sprott Physical Uranium Trust down 3% on the day. Uh, and with the spot price um, flat since yesterday, uh, so the up moves happened yesterday, but I didn't do a UMM yesterday. So reported on that today, but with the spot price flat and spot back down 3%, probably close to an eight to nine, excuse me, uh, 10 to 11% discount to NAV here, which is historically very, very large. I uh, would not be surprised to see, um, some, some speculation come in here. I am noticing in a lot of the uranium stocks, and this one is no exception. We are seeing some positive divergence in the relative strength. Uh, a lower a lower low on the actual stock and a higher low on the relative strength. Typically, that can mark some form of a bottom, at least a short-term bottom for stock. And we're seeing that across the sector. Okay, mailbag section. So a couple of things I wanted to note here. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about inflation and how that is potentially going to affect the cost basis for development projects and producing projects and exploration projects. I mean, across, across the mining space, across any industry, really, we're seeing input costs drastically rise. Uh, a lot of that has to do with rising costs of fuel, rising costs of diesel, primarily for mining operations. But we're also seeing, for example, um, for ISR mining in Kazakhstan, we've seen a 50% price increase on the cost of sulfuric acid. That's the lixivian that they use uh, to inject and extract from the ore body to, uh, to pull the uranium out of the ore body, out of the aquifer. And the cost, that's a major, major expense for Kazatomprom and their JVs. And that is up 50%. I believe that's a year over year number. Um, that's just one example. Um, we're hearing from companies, other ISR companies that are working on uh, developing ISR mines that are having a hard time finding the PVC pipe uh, to, to line, to case the, the wells, uh, the drill wells for, for the ISR mines. So ever across industry, across asset classes, across materials classes, everything is A, difficult to get your hands on and B, more expensive if you're lucky enough to even get your hands on it. Um, this is just the reality that we're in right now. We're seeing labor shortages uh, and we're seeing just big inflation uh, across the world and across industry. So what does that mean for uranium stocks? What does that mean for your future uranium production? So essentially, what we, what we talk about frequently is incentive price to bring in new production, okay? So we have the existing producers, obviously they're producing at a profit. 
We have, uh, you know, CGN uh, producing from uh, a JV in Kazakhstan, producing from the Husab mine that's eight to nine million pounds a year in Namibia. That's a very big mine. That was a huge CapEx for them. They've got an all-in sustaining cost somewhere around $50. That's probably closer to $60 right now. Um, CGN also recently just signed that contract for delivery 2023 to 2025 at fixed, 40% fixed of 61.78, if I recall correctly, uh, almost $62 a pound fixed. Um, with 60% of the contract uh, set to uh, reference to the market. So uh, the spot price at the time of delivery is what the, the buyer will pay for that uranium. Uh, so now you can see if CGN, their primary production coming from the Husab mine with an all-in sustaining cost uh, somewhere, somewhere, I mean, this used to be in 2019, probably around 45 to $50 a pound. That's Obviously, we're in a very, very different world in 2019. So it's probably pushing 55 to 60, if not more. So honestly, surprised they didn't lock in more profit on the fixed portion of that contract. They did have an inflation um, multiplier that will apply to 2024 and 2025's delivery. But with 60% of the contract reference to the spot price, and when you have entities such as Trade Tech, one of the primary nuclear fuel consultants, saying we could see prices above $100 a pound in the spot market next year. Yes, you heard that correctly. Uh, so clearly, CGN has exposure to that, which would lock in a lot of profit if those pounds are coming from Husab. If they're coming from Kazakhstan, obviously, they've got a much lower uh, production cost profile coming from a JV in Kazakhstan. Um, that's probably in the 30s all in. Uh, so either way, so this um, incentive price, so those are the existing producers, right? That, those are the costs. Okay, CGN, um, Kazakhstan, Kazatomprom, and all of their JVs in Kazakhstan that are producing uranium one, um, Arano, uh, a number of other Chinese entities. Uh, you have Cameco producing not only with their Inkai mine, uh, their JV in Kazakhstan, but of course, Cigar Lake, and they're working on getting MacArthur River back into production. And there's a little bit of production happening from the States. There's some production coming out of Australia, though very little at the moment, other than BHP's Olympic Dam. And then you have a bit of production coming from Uzbekistan. I'm probably missing a couple, but those are the main ones. And so uh, those producers are clearly making some form of profit on their production, but how much uranium is going to be produced this year, they're estimating somewhere around 130 to 135 million pounds of uranium during a year in which there will be close to 180 million pounds consumed. So that is a 45 million pound, roughly primary uh, production shortfall. And when it comes to the actual amount of demand burned through in nuclear reactors this year in uh, U308 equivalent. Now, of course, we have a bit of secondary supply, but that situation is in huge flux. So what is this incentive price that we are talking about? This is a price that uh, when we acknowledge that we are in a supply shortfall, we acknowledge that the demand for uranium not only is relatively static, even in recessionary times, but is set to grow over the next few years out into the end of the decade and beyond. We're talking about, you know, 2%, maybe up to 3% growth, depending on the year, depending on how many uh, reactor restarts in Japan, depending on, on how many new, uh, new reactors hit the grid. But either way, it's growing and that demand is relatively static even during times of recession like we are seeing right now and we are likely to see more of in the short term. So uh, this incentive price is essentially saying we acknowledge that this supply shortfall exists and only gets worse out in the future. Now we have MacArthur River and Paladin's Langer Heinrich set to be back into close to full production over the next, let's say, 18 to 24 months. That helps to get us to a 
uh, balanced market, if you take a snapshot of the market in any given period of time during, let's say, 2024. But as you continue past that point, that supply deficit continues to, again, grow. What does that mean? That means we need new production to come online to balance that. And that new production is going to have to have a certain price of uranium locked in either in long-term contracts, or if it's a smaller producer, maybe they can sell into the spot market, sell the spot, but they will need a certain price in order for that to happen. Now, there's some ISR development projects in the United States that have cost profiles, let's say in the 40s, uh, $40 a pound range. Um, and then you, but mostly these larger projects that really move the needle uh, need much larger and much, much higher uh, uh, uranium prices. Now we're seeing the cost of capital go up. We're seeing the cost of diesel fuel go up. We're seeing the cost of labor, labor go up. All of these things are rising. And so when you consider the CapEx needed to bring on, let's say, Global Atomics DASA mine in Niger, uh, Bannerman's Etango mine in Namibia, we're talking about much higher prices. Now, Global Atomic needs a lower price because they have higher grades, but uh, Bannerman's Etango is a lower grade, um, very large project, hundreds of millions of pounds. They do need a higher price. So uh, that incentive price, you know, this thesis has been bandied about for a lot of years, right? When we saw um, the uranium long thesis really start to gain steam in the late 2000 teens, that incentive price was 60 to $65 a pound. That incentive, pri incentive price right now is probably closer to 80 to $90 a pound, if not more. And things seem to only be getting worse in terms of supply chains, in terms of inflation. So these prices need to be much, much higher. And now we're sitting at 47.50 a pound uranium. Um, that needs to double. That needs to double minimum in order to get us anywhere close to where we need to be to really incentivize projects to come online to support this nuclear renaissance that we're actually seeing in the energy markets globally. So what does that mean? Uh, just to wrap that all up, basically the incentive price needs to be much, much higher uh, to bring new mines on stream, new production online in a market that already has a large deficit. This is only going to exacerbate the supply shortage if lower prices persist. Now, do I believe they are going to persist? No, I do not. Um, we're already seeing all of the elements of the fuel cycle in a uh, clear uptrend, and that is only going to continue. Even in with a recession approaching or possibly already here, we're seeing the housing market come to a screeching halt. Um, we're seeing a very, very tumultuous and fragile energy situation for Europe. As we uh, halfway through the year and into the summer months, we've got a very short number of months to hopefully fix that situation or at least bring some more of the reactors that are currently in maintenance uh, outages in France back online. Hopefully Germany decides to keep three, the remaining three reactors online. Two of the three they just shut down in December could easily be restarted. Will they do that? Probably not. But either way, uh, we're, we're looking at a situation where the uranium price is likely to remain strong and in an uptrend, even though we are in a risk-off environment across equities and markets. Um, and we're seeing recessionary markers in the economy. With all of that said, I want to leave you guys with a couple of quotes, okay? The first quote is from Rick Rule, and this I retweeted uh, a couple of days ago because I thought it was very, very simple and very uh, apropos, okay? So Rick says, you do what's easiest. If there's no buyers, 
So it's easy to buy the stock, you buy some. If there's no sellers, so it's easy to sell the stock, you sell some. Whatever the market makes easy for you to do, you do. I loved that quote. I loved that quote so much. Um, right now, it is very easy to buy. The sellers are in control here, okay? The sellers definitely have more motivation here. And on that note, I'm going to leave you with another quote. And I've read from this book before. I'm going to do it again. The Most Important Thing by Howard Marks. Uh, probably my favorite investing book. This is chapter nine. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Uh, awareness of the pendulum. The most important thing is awareness of the pendulum. Just a couple of quick excerpts from this because I think that we're at one extreme of that pendulum swing right now. Okay. When things are going well and prices are high, investors rush to buy, forgetting all prudence. When there's chaos all around and assets are on the bargain counter, they lose all willingness to bear risk and rush to sell, and it will ever be so. Where are we right now in that pendulum swing, thinking about that quote? One more from Howard Marks, same chapter. When investors in general are too risk tolerant, security prices can embody more risk than they do return. When investors are too risk averse, prices can offer more return than risk. So what I like to do in the cycles of this market in particular, and in markets in general, is not concern myself with selling the perfect top or buying the perfect bottom. What I prefer to try to assess is the risk versus reward at any given time in that pendulum swing. So if I'm looking at, let's say, a stock like NextGen right now, okay? NextGen is trading on the US market, $3.59 at close today, okay? Two short months ago, it was over $6, six, it, the high print, $6.55. That's almost, that's a 45% discount for uh, the largest high-grade deposit of any metal on the planet. This one day will be in mind, and I'm not trying to show next gen here at all. I'm pointing out, I'm looking at this, I'm seeing very strong uh, positive divergence in the RSI. I'm seeing next gen traded at a level that we saw back in February of 2021. Okay. That's how cheap uh, this stock, that's how cheap most of these stocks are right now. What has happened since February 2021? Okay. Could next gen fall some more? Absolutely. If risk goes way off in the markets in the next month or two, which it certainly could, we could see another fall. But I'm looking at my, I'm looking at this right now and I'm thinking to myself, am I willing to make a bet on something? Let's just use next gen, for example, 359. Could it fall another 10 to 20%? Yes. What is the upside here? If there's a 20% downside, what is the upside at next gen trading at 359? I would say, considering my understanding of the fundamentals of this, of this industry and of this investment setup right now and where I expect prices to be, equities flows to be, even 12 months from now, this is an easy double with a 20% downside risk. And that's a paper loss at 20%. And I'm just throwing 20% out there. I don't really know how much lower it could go. Um, things generally can always go lower than you think they, that you think they can go much higher than you think they will. And that's certainly the case for uranium. So looking at this, would I be willing to take a paper loss of another 10 to 20% on, let's say, if I added an average in on this stock? Absolutely. Uh, if I know that the upside is considerably higher, that's something, uh, that's a risk reward that I like. And you should think 
inversely, when the market is euphoric, when we're trading at uh, when we're trading far above, let's say the 200-day moving average, uh, when we're trading at one and a half to two times the 200-day moving day average, that's where I start to kind of look and see: are there other markers that we're getting overbought? What is the risk reward here? Um, it doesn't make sense to trim. It doesn't make sense to sell. For me, it's not going to make sense to sell outright until we are at much, much higher uh, uranium price. And this is, I'm in this for the long term. I can be a very patient, very calm, fundamental investor. Not everybody can be. So you have to look internally as well at yourself and what you're willing to tolerate. What kind of volatility can you handle? What sort of risk reward are you willing to, uh, to place yourself in, in terms of an investment? But all I can say right now is that uh, aside from myself, aside from the people that I work with directly, my business partners, aside from the people, um, let's say, in my direct circles, the really, really smart people in the room right now are getting uh, very greedy and uh, aggressively adding. So that's uh, for what it's worth. That's not me telling you to buy. It's not me telling you to sell. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. But I think the, the Howard Marks quote about the pendulum is really important that it will always be that way. When investors are getting out and trying to take some risk off the table, typically there's more reward on the table than there is risk at that point in time. We're seeing these, uh, these fear and greed indexes at extreme bearish levels right now, extreme bearish. Again, does that mean it can't go lower? Absolutely not. But, but the pendulum is likely further to one side than it is uh, to another. And which side is that right now? Well, I'll let you decide. All right, I'm gonna leave you all with that. I'm gonna get off my soapbox here. I will see you again tomorrow and I hope that you have a great night. Cheers.